Hi, Reserve Champions. I'm sure you thought that we were never going to get here, but we did it. We made it to Homecoming, and we concluded the second arc of Champions of the Earth. It is now time for one of the most important parts of the show. As you all remember, this system is in beta, and the Champions of the Earth program is in part a live playtest as we are steadily working to improve the game system so that it's ready to get into your hands one of the things we do is we pause the game at the end of each arc to talk about what's working with the system what's not working with the system and what we the players feel uh, needs to happen next in order for the system to get better. Then Colin makes those changes to the system and when we play the next arc those new changes are in effect. So Lucky you, we have reached that part of the show yet again, and the system is starting to get pretty complex in really interesting ways. We had a absolutely phenomenal feedback session after the conclusion of the Homecoming episode that you heard air two weeks ago. That conversation was detailed and lengthy and definitely dug into some of the nitty gritty. We are going to be presenting a large portion of it to you, our listeners, because you're part of that feedback as well. So for those of you who are following along at home, I'm going to cut into the feedback session every now and then to remind you of some important game system terminology or how some things work since you're not holding the character sheets right in front of you. At the beginning of this episode, Jackson and I are talking about some of the special moves that are on every champion's sheet. These each cost power points, which again are earned every time you successfully uh, perform an action or defend against uh, an action or an attack that's being done on you by winning an op 20 roll. One of the big questions, which if you've been paying attention, uh, you may have noticed some inconsistencies on, is when you are allowed to call some of these special moves, like confirm which lets you spend uh, five power points in order to guarantee a success, if you, even if you rolled a fail, or a critical success or an advanced attack if you had already rolled a success. This is the conversation we're having about it. So, you said boost can call after a play, but everything else is called before. before. Yes. So confirms are called before. Yes. You don't call confirms after you fail. You call confirms whether or not you fail. You're you're yeah. you're, you're you're playing those points and still gambling. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Just making sure. Yeah. Um, second strike. Players give themselves two additional attacks this round. Mm-hmm. So that's you call it before and then you have three attacks. Calling it is an action. And then you, I understand. Ah. And then you have two additional attacks. Correct. Yeah. So second strike. The way second strike is supposed to be is like you get two attacks instead of one. Not you get Got three instead of yeah. Got it. And then hyper assist is cool. We don't do enough assisting. Um, no, but maybe no. that's something the game can. I think it's. I, I think, but I, th- I think maybe that um, hyper assist is really expensive, and that's true. Yes, but that's exactly the point. Like hyper, yeah. it's it's the same. It's the same to confirm as it is to hyper assist. Completely. And so a confirm is a guaranteed strike, and a hyper assist is a help, but not a guaranteed strike for somebody else. So the it's valuable if say you were fighting a giant ice monster, right? And no, you it would be to assist him yeah. to land his hit, right? But, but we've been fighting hit, a balanced army a balanced. this whole time, so it's always just been more beneficial to target something and spend the confirm. Totally correct. Um, well, something else that I've, I've noticed that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, we, uh, so we we got in that scenario yeah. where we couldn't get all the civilians out. Yeah, they're they're, they're in a lockbox. And I've got all these power points, but I literally can't spend any of them no. because of my character class. Yes. It's really interesting. There's a they, like, and that was the first time I've been like, oh, because they're all area of attack, and they all oh. specifically note that friendlies will also be hurt. So if, if I use my power points in a play, that's why I was trying to get people out of there. I'm using yeah. the superhero thing as a character motivation to allow no. my character class to function. Because if we were a civilian territory only game, I would never be allowed to use my points. But what's cool about that is that it that's the push and pull. My character is very, very powerful as we've encountered, but only mm-hmm. on clear battlefields. Uh, on non-clear battlefields, I can't you can't unleash the crack. Uh awesome. Well that's a great way to kind of launch ourselves into yeah. this. Uh talk back first end of chapter two chit chat episode. Let's do playtest feedback first. 
Sure. Um, just like everybody who's been playing the game, what. And then we'll get to some. And then we'll get to some. Questions. And then we'll get to some listener questions. I love so let's it. do that. Yeah. Let's let's just stick with the playtest feedback for now. In general, I thought that a lot of the tweaks and changes that we played with in the second arc were good. Um, it is much easier to understand the leyline system now. Um, with the pentagram of power. With the pentagram. I refuse to say that, but yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just because, I, I mean, nobody who's listening can see how big Jackson smiles every time we say it. It's the but. goofiest thing I've ever heard. Um, I love I it so much. I think our darling <laughs> listeners should have a peek at our character sheets and our pentagrams of power soon, because... Mm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's it's safe to let out a character sheet or two at this point. I think that's very fair. Um, so yeah, we'll do that. Um, what about the rest of you guys? In this next section, Amanda raises the issue of the plus four, which is the boost given to each champion based on whatever their dominant attribute is. At the beginning, when rolling characters, each champion was allowed to pick one of the attributes, uh, not an attribute that anyone else had and make it their dominant stat, which they get uh, a plus four in to all roles that have something to do with it. For example, uh, Huxley's is in style and charisma, depending on whether or not we're talking about combat or social. If he does style or charisma moves, he gets a plus four to all of those roles. The issue that arose in the second arc of the game is that we sometimes became a little loose about enforcing when and how you could deploy your dominant stat even if it wasn't the role-playing scenario that made the most sense for that stat, just in order to get the plus four. Yeah, I have two concerns. One's a carryover from the first one, where I still think that it ends up being pretty toothless to automatically be able to add four to every roll you make. I really think you should have to justify which, which one you're using. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think we have to do that enough. And I think it kind of ends up being like, oh, well, most of your roles are just adding plus four. So, I mean, all right, so like, I mean, like mine's, mine's always the easiest example because my four is in style, which in the first arc, I was having to do a bunch of showy shit in order to get the four and it almost got me killed mm -hmm. several times. So I have not been taking the four all the time because I haven't, I have been doing, I only take it when I do showy shit. I also don't take yeah, the four all the time. Same. I think I take I take the four less of the time. This was definitely a problem, and still, I guess, is a it problem. It is in because the game. I think that, like, if you get an addition, right, you add your attribute to a roll to justify whatever. Like, it seems to me, and I've been paying close attention to it because it bothered me from the first time that there's a lot of just like default adding four to rolls, and I don't think I don't think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think that as we go forward, you should really have to be like, if you're gonna be able to add something to it, you need to justify beforehand, like, oh, I'm, like, again, agility is also one that's like pretty easy to apply, but not always. Like, I can't be like, oh, I'm gonna like, I mean, if I can sell it to you, basically, like, I think you should make us sell it to you. Yeah, I completely agree. Instead of just agree. accepting that, that we're mm -hmm. adding this. I, no, I, I, especially if it doesn't quite make sense. You it know, actually just should I, make us justify. So I agree with that, I, and I, I think what's interesting is that it basically all it means is like the GM style needs to get mm -hmm. uh, turned up a little bit more towards like paint me a picture, which you already do um, mm -hmm. uh, to, mm -hmm. to some extent. So I think like pushing towards that, mm -hmm. it just particularly to justify this mechanic. Otherwise, the mechanic can just become each of us has a core skill that. Which is boring. It's I agree. Odd, it's but like, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't... That's completely arbitrary, just numbers. Like, yes, right. no, absolutely. The point was always to make you role play out the why and what right. power so, you are using. So, for example, when I needed to defend uh, uh, an opposed check against an attack, I rolled an 11 and then added my 4, but my attribute uh, is wisdom and empathy. So, how am I. So for, empathetically dodging a strike. So for defense, your defense should always just be a blanket role. You don't have narrative control of the moment then. Mm -hmm. um, it's your opponent. So it's less for defense and more for offense. Got it. It sort of becomes a creativity challenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That was, that was, that was always mm -hmm. the intention. Yeah. Um, I just think it's kind of been lost as I'm trying to hold on to the, the, the threads of keeping this thing going. No, it's but a I challenge think, of GMing it is asking for it a lot. Yeah, exactly. I've got to put it back on you guys, which is always an issue for me because I'm like I'm trying to get us through a thing. Mm -hmm. But like the fun is you guys painting that mm -hmm. picture. So I think that's a great note and something cool. we can. And on a similar note, when it comes to battling, 
Um, I would love if we could figure out a, a way to like visually see stuff better. Um, and also, I, I feel like it's kind of cheating when we start in a battle and go, which one looks like ice? Which one looks like this? You know, like I feel like it should be harder to tell maybe initially. Yeah. And or, you know, if you're not close enough to that character, you can't do that. So do you know what I mean? Within this this system does away with rain with with distance ranges. You're either close enough to hit or you're not close enough well, to hit. Well then I don't think you should be able to necessarily right off the bat be like, oh, I do times two damage against Ignis. Well, I'm gonna Pick, look and pick but, I mean, which one. Isn't that yeah. part of the strategy of the game, though? Like, I think yeah. that's, but that that aspect of it is, that's mechanically, I think. I just think you should have to sometimes you, you do. be forced to attack something that maybe isn't an ideal for you, oh, we, and I, that I, doesn't uh, happen here almost uh, ever. It's been rare for us to run into things where we aren't able to, to pick out elements that we like. That's true. Primarily that's, up till now because boring. like the guys have been like, I'm on fire. So you know that he's the fire yeah. guy. But you right. do need to scan for things. As things become more difficult, well, you will need to scan for what kind of thing That's why I liked for these five dudes. It wasn't immediately apparent which one was which. It was only when they right. first went out, I'm going to attack. I grew a fucking tree arm, right? right. Or I grew a ice spear. Like I appreciated that because for the first whole round, like not none of us could tell by just looking. Like, oh, this is the one I should attack to make sure that mm -hmm. I do the most damage and this fight gets over quicker. That's all. Right. So I mean, I caught myself. Yeah. That's why. But I mean, since we'd had the big conversation about ley lines, I felt like we were. It was. It was safe. Yeah, I. I think what those desiccated did to some degree was to, you can't. <laughs> uh, was to act almost as like a tutorial, you know? Yeah. And I feel like we just passed through the tutorial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ding, ding, ding! There, there, there is actually an interesting issue there just from a gameplay perspective, to, to bring it up for a second. Most games like this have like perception checks, mm -hmm. like yeah. something for like sort of picking stuff up. And we, we just sort of roll them based on like what you call like tactics or wisdom or... Um, you, I think the last thing you said, you have to roll tactics. So. Yeah, it's a tactics it's a, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a tactics scan. And that's what gets us elements on certain things that we otherwise wouldn't get. Correct. Okay. I am nodding for audio listeners. Got yeah. it. All right. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right? I have some points of order. Oh, yes. Good with this one. Please, professional game designer, designer Marcy Campos. We got a Nerf Nico. You think? I think, now, now hear me out. Hear me I'm, out. I'm not, I'm honestly not going to argue against this. A large portion of the conversation and the feedback session, of course, revolved around Nico, specifically some new moves that Nico was given for the second arc to replace Nico's original special move, which was just a grab. This was replaced with Berserker, which features prominently in two of the biggest fights of this arc including the episode Berserker in which Nico ends up having to attack Mel to spare Huxley's life and burn off the rest of his attack. The other issue is with a move that is paired with Berserker on Nico's build, which is Momentum, which actually comes from his Warhammer. And we do explain how those two fit together, but that combination of scoring a hit and then being forced to score more hits until those hits expire became a central story point, but also one of the most dangerous parts about playing Nico. I think it's super cool that it, your powers stack and it keeps increasing, increasing. I think once that rage ends, um, maybe it's a cooldown, like it starts frothing mm -hmm. down or it goes away completely. The fact that it remains at that level yes. is definitely yeah. okay. Yeah. I think yeah. that's okay. I, I completely, completely agree Everything else that. is great. Yep. And. But eventually I'm doing kaiju level damage and it's like, yeah. no, 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 I feel no like reason. you're, I feel like you're. You can do kaiju level damage if you can keep that chain yeah, going. Of course, yeah, yeah. the chain and keeps going. And then the minute you break it or it stops, um, then it needs to go away I or it needs to decrease. Yeah. I well, think it should go, I think it should, you should come out of it completely. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is your DC check to not hit one of us was a 10. I think since you're gonna be rolling with modifiers, I think it needs to be a 15, she says putting Whoa. all of our lives on the line. Yes. I'm, uh, so that that mechanic is already just from a character level so punishing yeah. that it's, it, it okay. no, which, then, you know, it, it, like it's almost enough for the nerf entirely. It's like, wow, you really do have to like play this thing specifically because if you don't play it right, you're you, gonna kill the team. I, I do like the idea of, of like a cooldown or like after a turn where you do some super crazy damage, you fucking black out, yeah. mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah, um, I was like kind of. It, it would make sense to have like a you lose a turn or, or yeah. Least I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I don't. Sense. I don't. I don't love that. So I would no, love right. to maybe be able to roll against so here's, that. Here's what I'll say. But, like, uh, but I. But I'm down. Oh, that's smart. Like a 50-50 yeah. chance of exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the thing, I I, I roll Ooh. I roll against ten to see if I can. So what, so when we do play tests, I'll just be teacher for a second. Yeah. Uh, the please, Professor uh, Hill. The the important thing is to um, like players are often going to give like very specific fixes <laughs> for something that is that is broken and uh, hear that it's broken and mm -hmm. you know and listen to the fix. Um, are you are you are you back talking me? <laughs> no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm about to just throw a suggestion of my own oh, out, right, and right. I just want to he wants to pave the, the, I just want the landing pad before I just want to contextualize all of this, yeah, like good. to say, like, yeah, another right, thing for me to ignore. Another option because I've been thinking about the the momentum like issue with Berserker also is basically just to sort of do a reverse of like a death saving throw more or less like your rage basically has to make a throw every turn to see if it's continuing no because i'm already having yeah. to beat rage, combat yeah, checks. yeah mm -hmm. uh, you rolled really well in that last yeah that was yeah. absurd yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I just need to you need roll some kind of cooldown you need checks. some kind of cooldown cool i'm a thousand percent for i and, yeah. and especially because again from a character level it's great because well, regardless of it how has he to behaves that like that idea of it like of, of, of losing the power completely i think mm -hmm. is right on However, you, I mean, to the point of listen to the problem, not the solution. Once yeah, again, right, they're offering yeah. you a solution. Right. Look to see how you can manage that. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I think you can. But I think it would be great if it wasn't. The power is already extreme, and, yeah. and we've, yeah. we've seen how in one turn Nico can do an incredible amount of damage, which is awesome. Like that's perfect for the character type. Yeah. Um, but but it but it's, it it does become OP the minute he's then just gets to maintain mm -hmm. it for the rest of that combat. Yeah, I think right. it would be good whatever the solution is to have it not be a known quantity. The problem yeah. we're facing here is the build, because momentum comes from the warhammer, but berserker comes from rage. Right. So they are two different mechanics that are feeding each other into one unholy combination. Oh hey. Um, and like your Warhammer, none of your weapons have any negative checks to them. So, way right. So like that's the thing that I'm gonna need to wrestle with. I think one thing that I'm definitely gonna be working into is like if you, any of you ever roll a one, whatever you're doing is fucking done. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like here's so here's I I have actually a pretty simple fix for Warhammer. Yeah. Um, keep exactly what you have because to take it apart would actually break the yeah. character in a bad way. Um, keep the momentum thing, keep the Berserker thing, but have the point be that at the end of Berserker, momentum is done. Yeah. Like, right, momentum yeah. resets. I live in fear of rolling in advanced with the whip because that triggers a wrap, which means that the target is immobilized, but it also means that the whip is immobilized and I can't do any, I can't do another attack um, with it. So, so my advanced is actually sort of the opposite. It is a super, in general, it is a super bad thing for me um, to have that wrap take effect, which happened in the graveyard. Like I, I wrapped, right. I wrapped a zombie, and then was sort of like stuck with this thing, yeah. stuck to it until it rolled a fifteen, or I burned a turn to let Wait, it go. Wait, your special technique is, is wrapped? No, 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 no the, weapon, my, the whip is the whip. It's, 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 it's what I have from advance here. But yeah. yeah, Nico has this crazy thing that lets him kill everything in sight, and I have a thing that if I roll over twenty. Uh, limits who and what I can hurt. Your energy could create a whip-like binding. Right. Could you do a thing that is literally as simple, like, like from a physical perspective, as because it's not energy; it's literally mechanical, like our suits. Where when he whips, when it does wrap around, it, it does so like that. It just does it, and then it's back. But when it's around, it applies a, a kind. Yeah, 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 uh -huh. yeah. So you can. So it just like it'll cuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Up and maybe right. do like a one-turn miss or something. I, I actually like the with wild. That CP. Like, like my favorite thing about the system is when the wild, like kind of semi-OP things happen, and you can do these crazy builds and have this kind of stuff. And I think in general, like I don't want anything to get nerfed so much as tuned in such a way where you can oh. have a weird build, but and be able to do some random sh like crazy shit, but like you have to control it. The part of the feedback session you're about to hear next has to do with special techniques. If you remember, every champion has a different special move on their character sheet that they are allowed to deploy once per combat. Nico's special technique is Berserker. Huxley's is Chain. We discuss some of the others and whether or not they're balanced. 
I wish my special technique wasn't passive. Ooh, what is it? Your mine is also passive. It's it's just a dodge. Um, it doesn't really feel very special. Dodge is something that we should be able to do normally. Do you know what I mean? Like, counter, I just don't know also why counter, I would ever I use this in context. Context. I know if anyone is even going to be attacked. Yeah, um, that's one thing that sucks. Like it's a, a half There's a really possible specific situation waste. where that's really Yeah, cool. actually, and I'll, I'll throw in, with Smurf is a shield character. Protector. Because, like, because of the, the loosey-goosey we're playing with how with turf, mm -hmm. um, like, shield is great in a and d setup where you can see the exact layout. I'm cool sure. playing kind of more on the, in that field of the imagination, what feels good, go, like rolling story-wise, which is mm -hmm. kind of much more this game. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get bogged down in details, but like Martha is heavily shield. The one thing she, the, her big superpower right. is that she can get up to a, a plus 14 without trying if she wants yeah, to. Yeah, I think I'm just confused. Like they're clearer, but I don't feel like this build mm -hmm. is as clear. But it's right. just, or dodging, protecting, and shielding are harder to do because you have to declare them in advance before you know when an attack is coming. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not, and I don't have a clear solution for this mm -hmm. one, but it's 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 like a, I would say it's an initiative thing. Yeah. That like out of initiative order, if you see something and you're like, hey, Colin, am I close enough to burn my turn now right. to protect this person? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And so I think like if we can kind of like burn our turn early to protect somebody, that yeah. would give us a lot more impetus to do it. And I don't actually make a lot of attack rolls, so yeah. I don't get a lot of power points. Yeah, this is ironic. Yeah. I got one because I wanted defense. Yeah, like so I didn't. I did a lot of other Rubel stuff. does yeah. a thing and takes yeah. people out. I don't and actually would, fight a lot. Ironically, if you fought more, then you spread power points to everyone. Yeah. I know. Just a mm. niggle on one of my power strikes for uh, for Terra. Yeah. Uh, slag is the 20 point one. Obviously, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But it's a 50 50. It works or it doesn't right now. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No, it should, 20, work. it yeah, should work. It should work. It should twenty-five power points. Yeah. I think basically we've already litigated right. this. But another big issue that arose during the second arc was the introduction of a new mechanic: social power strikes. Social power strikes work like some of the power strikes for combat, but are meant to be deployed in the other half of the game, which is social in nature. Every champion on their sheet has a different social power strike. There's just one. It costs five power points. By spending a couple of points in order to improve the odds of success in a social move, the champion does pay some kind of cost. To move away from combat notes then. Okay. Um, social power strikes. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and I want to I wanna just quickly mention the fact that we have these super cool um, uh, you know, social power strikes that are weak ass to cost five power points and only give us a, uh, what, like... I don't even understand mine. It, really it doesn't matter. It's just like, like, it's just supposed to give you an advantage in a yeah. social role. Nothing except social power strikes can be used in social situations. Okay, okay. but, oh, so even, even boosts. Yeah. No boosts. No boosts. So it's just social power strikes is the only advantage we can give ourselves and in a social situation. And how much is, is that? I agree with that choice. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I think, but I think no. I think I think in terms of like, well, you have, we have to consider not just ourselves, yeah. but how other people would feel playing this game. Yeah, it's 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 more that like it gets it. it uh, players who aren't as either like close friends as us or as. Uh, Trusting. Trusting or trustworthy mm -hmm. as us mm. can use that in some shitty ways. I can mm. think of bad players that I wouldn't like to right. give that power to in a yeah. game like this. Okay, yeah, I literally wasn't thinking outside of this. Totally. So, yeah, totally. no, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, and that, and like, it like, just, it just I like what it did to our game. I'm, I, again, I think it was fucking fantastic. I, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's more just from a wider a, rule set perspective. Well, then if we nerf that, I think that you should take bad. another look maybe at our social power strikes to make them a little more specific. I, I'm um, actually. I actually feel like it needs to go the opposite way. It's just like a plus five to whatever you roll, and it basically makes you an asshole. But they all carry. Yeah, they all carry like some consequences. Yeah, the like point mine, is. Mine, the only see, time. I don't think that's fair. Like, if no, you're I think trying it, to make a social like massage of a situation. Like, then you need the, to be rolling with uh, charisma or anything. This right. Is, if like, you want to use the if you want to use the thing for points, you get the. It, it, the point of it is like. When you're a teenager, you end up saying shit you don't mean and accidentally being an asshole. And it's like your worst characteristic. Because I really want to get their thing across. Yeah, and because yeah. you because you don't you're not always playing these games to win. Like sometimes you want to do the more interesting thing. You've done that. 
these these power strikes are really weird because they create a thing where it's like it's an artificial tampering with our character that the game does. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I don't mind. Again, that's actually kind of a superhero thing, which is cool, right? Yeah. That's like a superhero-y. What I like about it is it's an option to do a to force yourself to do a bad character mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. It's a I can get what I want and it's going to do something bad for my character. Or you don't get what you want, and it does something bad anyways. Because I'm the only one who's used it, and it did not work out for Martha. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't. I haven't even used that one. I, I came close to, to using it. Too. Like whether yeah. you're someone who's inclined to use something like that, or someone like me who's it's definitely not. I guess it's kind of like, yeah, it's your, I really want this story beat to happen. I think it would be interesting, so I'm going to do what I can, even if it's negative, I'm gonna do like and you wanted and to make Nico go to the dance with you. That made it fucking awesome. Like within right. this within this system, mm -hmm. that would have been through your power strike somehow. Yeah, yeah. You pay the cost, but it's never. It's still in the dice's hands. A confirm is yeah. out of the dice's hands. Exactly. Um, there's still a chance. Yeah, right. no. I'm not saying Nico's his character minded. Jackson minded. <laughs> not like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But like, I think I think that's. But the, the, there's like a psychological difference of something like I'm gonna spend these points to try my hardest versus I'm going to force you to do this because I'm confirming it. And to be clear, I actually was I, I like it and I don't. I, I think it's uh, it's not as simple as, uh, oh you know, you take the character's agency away. I'm a big fan of social gaming. I'm fully down with the mechanic. I think what was, it, I, what I, I worry about doing it in a way that's buyable rather than diceable. That's all it is. Um, mm -hmm. I think as long as it's diceable, go for it. As long as you can roll it, that kicks ass. But if you're, if the point is like, I can buy compliance. Your, your character's PVP compliance, compliance. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not great. Yeah. But what's great is, I can attempt to coup your character. Right. And if I succeed, we both agree that the right. dice are the people who did it. If like we that, the, like yeah. the dice are the way that roleplay stops from being personal, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Like yeah. dice are the way that you're able to contract and agree that anything you do is up to these dice, not up to you. Right. And so you end up, everybody gets in a social contract and safe space and you all get to play because nobody's actually doing anything that you isn't mm -hmm. with the dice. And so if you can buy something, you have to be really careful about what you can buy. Yeah, um, I, I think is the right. the core. I mean, if we were here. playing like old school, like West End Star Wars, that would have been hella dark side points. Exactly. Yes. Uh, frankly, if you were playing the new Star Wars yeah. game, there'd have been a lot of conflict. Same same concept. Hello. Hello! Ah, welcome! Yes. Hello, Reserve Champions! Hello, Reserve Champions! Welcome to this episode 17 of Champions of the Earth! Can you add like a cool like reverberation effect on that? So it's like, like really like, whoa! Sure, do it again. Champions of the Earth! Don't kick the mic. Oh, God. This man's always telling me what I can and cannot do. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Don't worry. I'll add cool reverb somewhere. Nice. Everybody, welcome to our second official talkback and Q&A episode. If uh, you are here for the hijinks of your favorite teenagers, I'm afraid we're going to have to take a skip week. Uh, this is our chance to talk about the game system, uh, bring up some questions and concerns uh, from our players, uh, from our very small but focused beta test, uh, as we kind of dive into some of their, uh, their thoughts about what's been happening so far. A few other pieces of housekeeping business. Once again, guys, in just about two weeks, your very own champions of the Earth are going to be doing their first ever live show! Dab. At Indiecade at Santa Monica, in Santa Monica. Uh, the location is at uh, the new digital campus of Santa Monica Community College, where the very foxy KCRW radio station resides. Uh, it is going to be a, it's a three-day festival of the most innovative and interesting uh, indie games that are out there, which is why your very own Champions of the Earth is making a little appearance. Uh, and you can show up to our live uh, game at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday! Saturday! Uh, that's right, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, maybe bring your sun hats, because I hear that it's going to be a toasty day, but it's Santa Monica, so we'll have the ocean breeze. It's gonna be deluxe, I swear. 
Uh, however, that's not all. You can also catch Jesse and I on a panel on Thursday. Thursday, 11 a.m. Nailed it. Our panel is called Everyone Has a Podcast, Five Things to Do When Launching a Transmedia IP. Uh, you will find us in room 204 uh, on that campus uh, from 11 to 11.30 a.m. Oh, just a half an hour? Yes, just How a... How are we... Possibly going to impart everything that we know in only a half an hour. Well, the good news is we're not. Uh, I specifically advertised only five things. So we will impart five things. <laughs> awesome. Good. That sixth thing, that's the secret. And you can find out what it is for a low, low monthly payment of... No, that's a Patreon. Shut up. We are still dealing with some emotional fallout uh, from yesterday's events. That's right. Jackson Lansing has left us. And by us, I mean the world of single bachelors, which I am not a member of either. Or me. None of us are. But we would love to say hooray to Jackson, who married the love of his life, Alexandra Klamovich, uh, in a beautiful ceremony. There was dancing. There was cake. Uh, we sang... We, we sang to Mulan's Let's Get Down to Business because we are adults. And it was uh, just a grand celebration of love. Um, so hit Jackson up online and be like, congratulations, you married so-and-so. Way to make a great choice. Uh, and give him a high five because we love them both. Uh, spinning our wheels back to Indicate for just a hot second, um, you might be like, oh man, I love Indicate. I'd love to go, but I don't have all the money in the universe. Boo, we got you. You can use... <laughs> this special code is ridiculous. Okay, to get 20% off all access tickets, you can use the special discount code on the Indicate website, 20, that's 20 underscore off underscore all underscore access underscore i c two zero one eight whoo that's not exactly quite the code yeah quite the code we don't want anyone to get hacked Woo. it's a good time yeah uh, I highly encourage you to uh, go to Night Games, where there's going to be some fantastic stuff. And also, if you're deciding, if you deigned to travel to Indiecade and see our little, you know, ragamuffin faces, really what you'll be delighted by is finding the true taste of the festival with a little something called the Klaxo Radio Hour. That's right, Jesse, why don't you tell us just a little bit about Klaxo? The Klaxo Radio Hour is a interactive installation and um, audio drama that Marcy and I wrote and uh, produced and then hid inside of an actual radio that we made a haunted artifact. We had a soft showing in Santa Monica last week, and then uh, we are nominees at the festival, so... Uh, Indicate is the best place to check it out for the time being because it is kind of a one-of-a-kind object. The, the, the radio drama lives inside the radio. You have to possess the haunted radio right now in order to experience it. Uh, it's really, really neat. However, if you can't make it to Santa Monica, I'd like you to know that Jesse and Marcy would be more than happy to be flown to wherever <laughs> you are, wealthy benefactor. If you would like them to come to you, and put all you need to do is put them up in a fancy five-star establishment, and they'll be more than happy to bring their haunted radio to you. Right? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Yes, no, we would love that. We, just, we, are, we are not busy. And would love to do that. Nope, nope. October is a very chill month. I'm just really glad that I have four empty weeks to do nothing but craft my Halloween's costume. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to be, and I don't know if I'm going to have time, but I'm feeling real bad about it. Jesse, I just want to put this in your ear right now. Hmm. Raccoon. I'm not going to be a raccoon. <laughs> Apparently it's Raccoon Appreciation Day. Thanks, Jen, for pointing that out, by the way, here the day that we're recording this. Um, Fans... With your help, you may be able to convince him. I'm no. just saying. No. I'm just saying. No, that's not happening. Okay. Uh, we have a quick billboard uh, to um, talk about. So I would like to take this opportunity to um, endorse a new web series that just launched. It is called Recon. Uh, here's the copy. Who doesn't love spies? 
Recon is a web series dramedy about a group of queer college freshmen and their attempts to balance their personal lives and relationships while training to be spies. Set entirely at a secret school for spies, the Academy, the show follows newly out Midwestern Ava, a skilled hacker who's finally able to come out and make new friends at her school. While she's able to make friends quickly, everything falls apart when she finds out her entire life is being recorded and posted online in neatly edited five to ten minute episodes. Created by Emma Drury and executive produced by two-time Emmy winner Bernie Sue, Recon is written and produced by a team of diverse students and professionals in Los Angeles, California. Recon is now streaming on YouTube. Um, and that's true. Their first episode dropped yesterday. Uh, they're dropping two more episodes of the first week. It's a really cool found footage all told through security cameras. Uh process. Emma is a former student of mine who has pulled this whole thing together um, on her own. It's extremely impressive, and I think uh, a lot of you guys would really enjoy it. So check that out. Uh, that is Recon, R-E-C-O-N. And I'm going to endorse this, just double endorse this, because it's we're all trying to make stuff out here, and we all got to make it by hook or by crook any way possible. And Emma's actually one of the good ones who was able to figure out how to do this along the right path. Uh, so we really support this, and you guys should check it out and give it some thumbs up. Cool. Uh, probably some of this was at the beginning, and probably some of this is at the end. Uh, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we are getting ready for Chapter 3. There might be a slight delay between Indiecade and a wedding and everything else that we're pulling it together. But uh, you're not going to lack for content from us, and we hope to see some of you uh, in Los Angeles slash Santa Monica. And that's all the news that's fit to print, my friends. Until next time, have yourselves an adventure. Uh, we love all of the listener questions that we got. Uh, unfortunately, if we answered all of them, we would have an entire another episode. Why don't you just have a whole other episode, Colin? Look, guys, like we have a lot of content, and we got to get to the hilarious bloopers. But, so, oh, really? <laughs> you love the bloopers. Um, we could also answer some of them online too. We could also oh, answer some Ooh, of them great. online. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do that too. Why don't you but pick some of your I'm gonna favorites for this. That is exactly. I'm go around for later. What is going to happen? We are going to mm, throw to Jackson from at Stroud Kyle. Nico, where, or rather, Jackson, What's up, Kyle? where does Nico's heroic streak come from? If I say too much about this, I think I'll actually be spoiling cool Nico stuff down the line. Um, I'm glad you're asking the question. It's entirely the point of the character uh, to me. Um, let me put it this way, though. Nico's just a cooler, amplified version of me, and when I was a kid, I had rage issues, and uh, fucking, uh, I read a lot of superhero comic books, which weren't a way of telling me that I was um, some kind of, like, messianic, like, fucking go into shit and solve it and take, like, be a leader, but because I've been told most of my life, you have a lot of responsibility, you need to be a leader, I... Uh, used comic books as a way to understand what how to do that in a way that was moral. Like, Captain America was like a moral code. I think Nico comes from there. I think he comes from a place essentially of like, except he doesn't, he's never been told his whole life that he's like special or he should be a leader or any of that shit. He doesn't have that. Instead, what he has is the whole world kind of telling him that he's not worth a lot and most of his history telling him that he's not worth a lot. Why that guy is driven towards that same brand of heroism for essentially the same, uh, towards the same like focuses, that is something that I, I will get into. Um, but I don't want to spoil it too early because it's li the layers and layers underneath the kid. Makes sense to me. Okay, this question is for Gina. Yeah. From Soren Vilas. Soren asks, <laughs> uh, Gina, Olive is not having the best time recently. Um, how do you think <laughs> this is going to affect her in the long run? Hmm, well, the, here's the thing about Olive. She seems to get... She's very sensitive, but she also is really quick to remind herself of everything that is good in her life. So she, all the bad things are piling on too, but that doesn't make her unaware of when good things are happening to her. She just sort of processes those feelings and then lets more hit her in the face. She's a very live-in-the-moment kind of person. Sometimes she's very protective, sometimes she's a little hot-headed, sometimes she's a little... Uh, spacey, but um, in terms of 
in the future, I think she is gonna keep playing it by ear, just making sure she is there for her team. I'm gonna toss this one over to Jesse. Jesse, uh, I'd love your, or rather from Exo Girl Wonder, I'm tossing this to you specifically because you do have a bit of a experience with, uh, with the youths. What would you say, well, how do you think the setting impacts the characters in the story, specifically in the kind of 2000X teens versus more of the 2001X teams? Boy, this is, I think, the rough like squishy question of sort of what we're doing. And um, I think we all made a very conscious decision that the period like was cool for storytelling purposes, but also has a lot to do with us playing ourselves mm. as we were at that time. And, um, so, you, know, you know, playing from, I think a place of truth and authenticity in terms of like what our experience as teenagers was like so that, um, I don't know, we're not a bunch of adults pretending to be high school kids without any kind of context but it was a different world and i don't think that it's good storytelling to be slavishly devoted to a period if it means that like we're gonna like perpetrate some things that were like a little bit fucked about like what we said and what we did when i was that age so mm. I think, you know, so, I mean, like, so we've pulled some things forward. That's it's not true, period, yeah. it, like, we've, we have two characters who we are explicitly using they pronouns with, for example, yeah. which, I mean, I'll, I'll be clear, I, I didn't actually know about that until about four years ago, probably. Um, and I think if we were being totally accurate, even if we were using alternate pronouns, we would be using different ones that were more popular at the time that have since, like, maybe sort of fallen out. That doesn't serve anything. That just perpetrates things that nobody wants out there anymore. Yeah, so exactly. storytelling-wise, I think that's the trick, is that you know it's there. If it serves the story to live a little bit in the past, that's great. But I think we're trying to tell a story that connects in some way. And I think that this is true for comics or for you know anything to that degree. Can, can I offer yeah. I, I, a follow-up? Because I, I think it's a really interesting point. Um, Beach Bay operates as a fantasy. Uh, in the same way that when we were growing up, we had Power Rangers, right? Yeah. And Power Rangers was a fantasy version of what teenage life was at that time. It didn't or look Sunny anything Dale. like. Yeah. Right. I mean, but God, but, like, I know. Like, I would love to go to the bronze. I would love to go to that juice bar. Yeah. In, like these, these were not actual places. These were fantasies that were defined essentially by by um, uh, early '90s and like '80s high school stereotypes. And all this stuff had been like kind of kind of churning. What I think is really cool is we're trying to kind of go back like John Hughes style to the 2000s and really like not say like this is exactly what high school was like mm -hmm. uh, or even this is exactly what culture was like or this is exactly what the world was like because um, I know in high school I was much more concerned with like the Iraq war and shit like that which like we're not dealing with at all there is no Iraq war in the two, in 2000X and like that's kind of apparently and that's something that's really I think actually really important it like takes a lot of the real world bullshit off mm -hmm. of the shine of the 2000s and let yeah. them act as sort of the San Junipero-esque fantasy universe for us to be Power Rangers inside of. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I, we know, can, I really right. like it. I, like, I, I know. find it very comforting. I, I really like the setting. But we've been we've pulled things in like kind of when we want like in in the second arc Huxley mentions where his parents money comes from. Right. For example, and it is absolutely mm. you know <laughs> it is absolutely a thing that happened in the in in the early aughts that we paid for by the end of them. Yep. Right. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Huxley. Um, for causing the <laughs> causing the financial collapse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Martha, why don't you go ahead and answer this question from Ms. Genie in a bottle? Uh, which character development has been the most surprising to you so far? Um, I'm surprised that Martha and Hux get along. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> like, Was surprised. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I didn't. And then, you know, Huxley just kind of like just swam up right alongside Martha and just was just, you know, you know, he Martha's whole thing has been no one's helping. And then Huxley came and Huxley helped and like it continually surprised her. And I think like she's got a lot of trust writing on a character she probably didn't think she had any trust on. Like if you had asked Martha, like, who do you think you can lean on 
at like at the end of episode or at the end of like this whatever arc we like you know at <laughs> we're all walking away from yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a burning car or whatever i think she would have like well she would have been like no one fuck these kids um <laughs> uh but it, she wouldn't have put money on the kid who drove into a tree that's reasonable um and so that like stunned me and then um and other like i think like nico's character development was not as surprising but like that last speech you gave like you know mm. nico stepped it mm -hmm. up and like i think like that last like that not, not this current episode um the him and i Kosigan's cave mm. was a lot of nico stepping up to the plate um that surprised me yeah that was in yeah. pure instinct it was like i, I we've been dealing with it for so long and eventually yeah, it was and like, I think, you get, in, you get into Nico's headspace and eventually he just gets frustrated. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see heroism come out of that rather than like yeah. some teenage and man bullshit. Yeah. And I think like, you know, like Martha, I mean like I on purpose, but Martha definitely not on purpose, like, you know, stepped down from trying to like do everything and to see Nico immediately step up and like acknowledge some faults and then, but be like, you know, we're going to do this right was a really great moment. Mm -hmm. So those are the two yeah. that like stand out to me. I think I've been noticing that there's sort of a like social ley line, like just between like the five of us, oh, that totally. sort of like mirrors some of like the combat like pentagram of power sort of stuff. And I think I mean I don't know if it's like emergent in the system or it's just us and who we ended up building. Oh, it's definitely the system. Okay, yeah, sure. It's, it's the definitely it's the, the system. But yeah, no, I think you know, and, and some of that is sort of like surprising too. But it makes. Like it makes sense in some ways yeah, that I mean, certain like certain personnel, yeah, right. It's a, it, it operates exactly like high school. I I don't actually think it is. A, no offense to the system. God damn it! No, like here's the thing. I don't think it's emergent of the system. I think it's emergent of the game. It's setting. Like yeah. the setting or the the, the mm -hmm. fundamental idea of the game. Like and so which again still credit to Colin. Like it, <laughs> what it is is it says what if your high school clique was the Power Rangers. And then I think back on the way my high school circle ran. Right. And, like, there were definitely times when, like, two of us would be over here and three of us would be over here. And those would kind of be, like, these guys would be working on a thing. And these mm -hmm. guys would be hanging out more and these guys wouldn't be hanging out more. These two well, get dating. And, and then this other thing happens. It's like, you have those morphs. Right. And certainly that was kind of, that is, there. that intentionality is in the system. Because, right, Power Rangers is, everyone is exactly the same. They just have different colors and different weapons. But um, I'm sorry. Billy is the nerd. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Mechanic. Mechanically, they're all <laughs> so, like, Yes, like, mechanically, they're identical. Awesome. Um, Amanda, a uh, question from Soren Vilas uh, once again. Uh, Mel seems so hot and cold sometimes um, with everybody. Why do you think that is? Um, so as with kind of Jackson's answer, you know, not a whole lot has been revealed about Mel's kind of backstory, um, but uh, I think it's, I can safely say that Mel is trying to protect herself at all times hmm. um, with whatever, however she feels is best in that moment. Um, so I think that, ex you know, that's why like sometimes, you know, hot versus cold, it kind of is, it's, it's really instinct. It's like, I don't think she understands herself very well. So she's kind of punching in the dark. Mm. Anytime she's making a decision like that, uh, one way or the other, it's not as much based on like what she's done previously as it is like, how do I feel right this second? What is going to make me feel like I'm protecting myself? Which decision is going to protect me? Mm. And that's really, I think, the primary thought. I'm not saying she doesn't think about other things, too. It's just like that is like the level one concern and everything else is like a level two or below, you know? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I ask a little bit of a follow up to that? Uh, I mean, and, and only, and, yeah, and only if you're interested in it, but like, uh, does that, that doesn't apply to your sister though, right? Like, it feels to me like Ames is the one place where you're like, your self-preservation instinct doesn't kick in. Your instinct is to preserve her. Like, there's manipulation there as well. And like the deal with the, uh, with the clothes and the, uh, and the paper and all that. But like, it does seem like at the core of it, the Ames relationship is a... Like is it, do you think she puts her above herself? See, and that's where it gets sticky because the rest of y'all are playing versions of yourself. If I were playing a version of myself, Martha and I would be the same. Right. <laughs> um, essentially. 
Um, so I like consciously chose to play someone different, and so I'm ch choosing to play a version, a, hi a highly fictionalized version of my sister, right? So that's like cool in a way, but limiting in a way because I'm literally looking at it through the lens of like what me as the little sister thought I saw. And I talked to her a little right. bit about it. So it's like, it's like not me playing a version of myself, it's me playing a perceived version of her from my little sister eyes, in a sense. Wow. So like, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's weird. So it's hard for me to answer that question because like, I, my sister was, bless her, we're, I love her now, we're friends and everything, but she was a fucking asshole to me, like my entire childhood. Also the age difference was seven years, not two, like we right. put it in here. Right. So. I don't really know how to answer that in the sense that like there's probably a little bit of me being like, well, this is how I wish she would have treated me. <laughs> yeah, got in, it. In like, got you know it. what I mean? Fair enough. Um, that's the but, best answer you know, I can give you. You and your sister never had to deal with oncoming aliens attacking. Yeah, there's an interesting no, point here where you get, yeah, where like, I mean, you're gonna have, you get to like uh, archeology span those feelings. Well, I actually was Arche texting her in the middle of this being like, verb, I need to talk not... to you some more yeah. About, yeah. about your motivations <laughs> when you were 16. <laughs> Cool. I have a question for Colin. Okay. Uh, this question is from Perfect Cosima. Uh, when PCs are interacting, how do you make the decision of whether or not to go into a social PvP role? Is it a GM call, or does one of the players involved usually make that decision? Well, as we've seen, uh, sometimes the players kind of force that decision on me, which I am more than happy about. Um, the game is supposed to be incredibly player-driven. Um, but honestly, anytime I call for a social role, it's because y'all are getting close to something I don't want to say, and so I'm choosing to make you roll for it. Anytime someone has a secret, basically, mm -hmm. uh, I call for that role. Okay, now, uh, since we're doing this, I'm just gonna ask the natural follow-up from MacMaxBH. Oh, MacMax! Uh, what impact has the, had, has the higher uncertainty in combat results, since both sides roll dice instead of a more standard roll against Static DC, had in the design and playing of the game system? It has been a fundamental choice on which we have built our house, and the rest of the game system has evolved out of it in a desperate scramble to find interesting balance uh, after that initial fount of madness. And like any good like Comic-Con question, there is actually a built-in second part to that question. Oh great, I see, yes, second part. Was the spend points to confirm hit added to counterbalance this? Oh, you know it was. <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff was built to balance the wild randomness of uh, these dice rolls in order to kind of create more player control. Basically, once I realized that um, just D20 on D20 was gonna be a fucking shit show of random madness, um, the question became, well, how do we balance this and how do we start adding more elements? And out of adding more elements in order to mitigate that randomness, we've found the game. Um, like that was a insane choice from the very start that has led to everything else and I think has created some of the most interesting mechanics that we have. Uh, can I throw up? Oh, do you yeah. want to go? go for it. Uh, do I, I want to throw yeah, something yeah. Uh, quick to the to the table? Uh, uh, <laughs> so just one from Exo Girl Wonder that had me thinking. So I, I just wanted to throw it to the table really fast. Uh, if any of the champions were into like D and D or role playing, uh -huh, which uh -huh. one would it be? Oh, I have a I have a thing about this. I'm just gonna. I desperately want. And Colin threw it out a while ago, and it's been stuck in my head ever since he said it. I desperately want the champions' characters to play a super light D and D game inside of our game. That's adorable. Oh. I'd like just a, get a together, percent. like sure. just as like a million fun, percent, just as like yeah, a yeah. fun bonus episode. As a bonus, yes. No, I think that's part of it. I think that's absolutely part. Of it. As like a fun bonus episode, yeah. or like I desperately, I kind of don't want to like speculate too much about it, except to say that like that's. That's I'm what I want. Everyone. Okay. My yeah. answer is Hux. Oh, <laughs> I bet Nico actually That's has great. some GURPS books like left over. For I a... feel like 
I never had money for it. That's my thing about Nico. I feel like he's known people who play D&D. He has played D&D. He doesn't own any of that shit because he has no money. I was like, thinking like he, he has all his money on his drums. Or he just like has one book, but just has like sweet. He's like the monster manual. Right. He has like the, the second manual. edition monster manual just because it's filled with sweet monsters. And he, oh. he, he, he borrowed it from a friend and never gave it back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is very accurate because for years I just had a source book for the Star Wars role playing game because I like <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, dude. Um, That's how I got. <laughs> I just got Alternity because the art was dope. I was like, this art is amazing. Look at all these aliens. I think like Martha would initially, she'd be like, what? And like, I think she could be talked into it, and then she, like, I think Martha get real into role play. And it's like that was my thing. You I thought I think yeah, Martha would be an incredible DM. Martha would be yeah. like, Martha would be like, this has nothing to do with helping me get into college. Why am I gonna bother? But I guess I'm gonna try oh, it. And, and then it'd be three point five. It's two thousand X. So it's like she would. It's three point five, and you're just like, oh, into three point five. Oh, and she was like, oh shit, it's all math. And Martha works in a bookstore, so she's definitely oh, she's like, like, actually, you know what? She's probably seen those like t tables and charts and gotten a little like hot under the collar. Oh my god, can you please GM a game? You need to GM a three point five. It's hard to email it to the table now. Martha's <laughs> <laughs> running it. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to wrap that. Okay. I'm gonna do one more, um, if cool. we can. Uh, so I'm and. Uh, guys, if uh, we didn't get to all of these questions, obviously we're gonna try and get to them um, like somehow Twitter or like little like recording moments that we'll drop um, because we really appreciate you taking the time to send them in um, and continue to do so if you'd like. Uh, this is for Colin oh. and it is from, also from Soren Vilas. Hi Zoran. Uh, great questions. Uh, what has been the most gratifying moment for you as a GM so far? We'll close on that one. <laughs> well, I got you all the homecoming, so that feels pretty good. We didn't really end, though. Shut up, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> Sorry. Um, my bad. Um, gratifying moment as a GM. <laughs> no, none. No, none I mean, they're all wonderful. The fact that this entire thing works at all is fucking wonderful. Um, the fact that there are so many moving pieces to this that I, as a GM, can get lost, which is so wonderful because that lets you guys surprise me with things I've forgotten, which isn't really something you get as a GM, right? If you've forgotten something, it probably means you're done fucked up. But this system allows for me to you know, things to slip out of my head so that Bluebell can sh fucking show up out of nowhere and completely fuck my plans, which is wonderful. Um, like, I think the way that you guys are deploying the mechanics is fucking great. And then I think that, I mean, just the fact that you guys are bringing such wonderful emotionality to it and that I don't need to drag you kicking and streaming into that stuff, that you guys are just bringing the thunder. Um, I think that's amazingly rewarding and I wouldn't have any other way. Okay, okay, okay. But is Chestnut ever going to catch a break? <laughs> <laughs> I just destroyed Chestnut's entire DJ set, I think. Probably, oh, probably oh. not as long as Mel is around. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's so, really, so, they, just keep, so, they just keep getting deeply, deeply screwed by uh, the, the actions of the Champions of the Earth. I, I love them very much. And they aren't getting any... <laughs> they aren't even getting any footage or like recording out of it. And oh. that was their whole thing, was like Lois laning us. But you can't Lois lane us because we're invisible. They it's got eyes. They have like, eyes. Well, to cameras. It's to like enough. proving yeah. it. So, yeah. I utterly, I love Chestnut McGee. Chestnut McGee is the character in Champions of the Earth right now that most reminds me that we are sort of recreating one of those old shows. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Chestnut McGee is the uh, purest character from one of those old shows. Like down to all of this stuff that we're not even trying to do, but it just keeps. It just keeps. Just keeps our screech. Kind of like these things just <laughs> like these things just keep happening, happening to, to Chestnut. Them. Yeah. Like not like Chestnut has a goal. Chestnut has like this lowest like like find the truth. The truth is out there. Kind of like thing going on, but Undone through spirit. Through, yeah. So they're more like our through, Jonathan. Yeah. Like yeah. through yeah, our oh, yes exactly yes yeah, like yeah, yeah. and through our own actions which have nothing to do with Chestnut. Bad things keep <laughs> happening to Chestnut. Wow, really, if, well, if, if Chestnut doesn't turn out to be one of the great villains of look, Champions of the Earth, I can I'm going to be really disappointed. I can, um, I can guarantee that Chestnut is going to stay indomitable 
Their spirit will never die. <laughs> they're, they are, they're, the fire in their belly is, is a burning furnace that will one day, uh, you know, blind you all. So you watch out, Chad. <laughs> there it is. There it you is. You watch out there. for the wrap. No, Chestnut's a wonderful soul. And thank you guys. We wrapped up uh, chapter two. Chapter right? two. Yeah. Wow. Chapter wow. Thank you guys for coming with us on the journey. Mm -hmm. And we will. Thank you guys, everybody. And uh, hey, friendos. Have, have yourselves, yourselves an adventure. adventure. Oh. Have yourselves an adventure. Have yourselves an adventure. Okay, and uh, and hey everybody. Have, have yourselves an adventure. You guys have no idea how a countdown. Is it okay? Is it one, one two, two, three, go? Yeah, yeah, it's one, two, three, and then it was gonna go. be a go. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, it's fine. It'll just Magic be a go. Good, good. Magic just gonna go, go. Okay, and hey everybody. Have yourselves an adventure. you like to learn but you don't have the time to find out the reason or look up the rhyme don't let your question just sit on the shelf submit your queries to geek thyself hello everyone this is heather from the geek thyself podcast if you'd like to learn more you can find me at nerdsmith.org or wherever you download podcasts and until then don't forget to geek thyself